a really fun thing about aging is when you start having a hot flash right before you come up on stage. I was down there like, and then I saw this fan back there in the drum cage. And I was like, I wonder if we could just sit it right here. And I could be like Beyonce or JLo or something. (laughs) I bet nobody's ever done that before. But today we are in week four of our observance of Lent. And um, the lectionary today was kind to me. Sometimes I get assigned uh, scripture and I'm like, how am I going to, you know, pull something out of that? But today I I read a couple weeks ago when I knew that I was going to be preaching today, I looked at the, the passages that I had to choose from and I was like, thank you, God. Thank you. This word is so rich and so good. Um, We're going to be talking about um, the prodigal today. And the title of my message is The Path of the Prodigal. So in case you don't know, like Jesus talked in parables. And he was a storyteller. And I would venture to guess that he was a really good storyteller. And the purpose of these parables... Oh, somebody's looking for somebody. Somebody's looking for their phone or something. We do that for our kids when they don't answer our text. <laughs> we like signal their phone. We're like, I don't care if you're in class. Text me back. Um, but um, w- when Jesus taught in parables, there, there's usually like a punchline given to sort of teach a lesson to the people who were listening. It's, it's, it's um, profound. There's, there's a reason for that particular story. Okay. So what happened was in, we're going to be looking in Luke and at the beginning of Luke in verses one and two, there's like Pharisees and there's a crowd around Jesus and they're complaining because he sat with sinners and tax collectors. They're complaining because he even ate with them. And how dare he? Because, you know, it's better to look pious and holy than it is to mingle with those who are not behaving a certain way. And so in response to verses one and two of the Pharisees complaining, Jesus gives three parables. And the first one, um, he's talking about um, the lost sheep. We're very familiar with that one. And then he talks about a lost coin. And then he tells about the lost son. And it's, it's interesting because, like, the sheep was lost because it was just foolish. It just wandered off. You know, it just wasn't thinking. Um, the, the coin was lost through no fault of its own. Like, it was just lost. Um, but the son left on purpose. So my first point today is the intentional prodigal. Um, he made a conscious decision to leave. And we find in the scripture, Luke 15, 11 through 17, I'm reading from the NLT. It says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. 
The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. So we see that this, this young man or old man, I don't even know how old he was, um, he had it all, right? He had a relationship with his father. He had obviously wealth um, and protection. He had a home, but that wasn't enough for him. He wanted control. He wanted autonomy, perhaps. I don't know. But he intentionally made the decision. And in verse 12, it says, I want my share before you die. Well, guess what? That was the same as saying, I don't care if you live or die, Father. I, I, I kind of wish you already were dead. That's how offensive this was because he was going to get his share. Now, he was the younger son, so the older son would get half, and then he would get a split of the rest of it. So the older son would get more. But he was going to, he was going to get money when his father died because, like, I just don't want to wait. You're not important to me. Give it to me now. Okay? So in Psalm 32 three and four, we see sort of the result of sin in our lives. It says in verse three, it says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long, day and night. Am I reading? Is that, was that the next scripture, Jerry? Was that the next? Okay. Um, And I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. So it wasn't just the fact that he was away from his father. It wasn't just the fact that he was in a bad situation. It was the fact that he was sinning. He was, he was having the ramifications of a choice to sin. And in the Psalms it says, like, my body wastes away because I refused to confess my sin. And what we justify, we buy. Okay? We may have something in our lives, and if we try to justify it, well, I do that because this. Well, if you didn't do this, then I wouldn't do this. Then we're justifying that. We're buying that behavior. We're buying that sin. Okay? So the scripture tells us the importance of being truly repentant. My second point, my second aspect of the prodigal is the repentant prodigal. Luke 15, 18 through 20. Here he has a change of heart. Now granted it's because he hit rock bottom, but he has a change of heart. And he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned. I want you to notice that part right there. It's so important. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Repentance. We can change our behavior or we can say we're sorry to the people that we've offended But we have to be able to say, I have sinned. I own this. 
and go home. Go home to the Father. That sin separates us from God, but we say, I'm going back home. Psalm 32, 5. So earlier we read Psalm 32, um, 3 and 4. Now we're reading verse 5. It says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. It seems a little too good to be true, doesn't it? You know, like, shouldn't we have to jump through hoops? Shouldn't we have to, um, I don't know, like, do a bunch of stuff, prove that we're worthy? It says, I confessed my sins to you and said, I confess my rebellion and you forgave me. My guilt was gone. That's good news today. Amen. So I know what you're thinking. We like, we've heard this story so many times, the prodigal, the prodigal son, the lost son. And we always kind of phrase it like that, the prodigal son, the lost son. But there were two sons. And I've really never looked at it this way before, but this time when I was reading um, this story, I really just focused in on that older son. And it hit me, like he is a prodigal as well, because he left emotionally. He was an emotional prodigal, but I call him the resentful prodigal. He resented my next point there, the resentful prodigal. In Luke 15, 25 through 31, it says, Meanwhile, the older, older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. He couldn't see. He has always had access to everything that the father had. He's been living in that presence, but not appreciating that presence because somebody else has come in and he feels well that's not fair and you know what I relate to that <laughs> I relate to the to the older brother and and maybe you do too because you're sitting here in church so we kind of get like religion on us sometimes you know and I'll tell, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you two quick stories. I really didn't have a lot of stories this time, but I knew when this happened, I was like, someday I'm going to use this <laughs> in a sermon. And the time is now. It's been four years. Um, so when we took Abby to college, um, for the, I hope her former roommates are not watching today, but um, I took Abby to college 
to move her into her dorm. And she was so excited because they had been approved for a quad room. So four girls to a room and they were bigger and it was just going to be fabulous. She was going to be right across from the restroom and all this stuff. So, I mean, that's important when you have a community restroom in college, preach. So, um, so we got there and the, the, her and Marissa, um, Delarosa, precious girl that, that goes here, they were like going to be in one side of the room. And then these other two girls were going to be on the other. Cool. Wonderful. Well, when we get there, their room was not even, it was like this huge part of the dorm room. And then this little part that y'all, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot bigger. Oh, I'm so sorry. Video. Sorry. He knew. Steven stayed back there because he knew I'd move around. Um, it wasn't much bigger than that, that riser right there. It was so tiny. So we had to, like, make bunk beds for them and all this. And the whole time that we're struggling to put all of their stuff in this tiny little cove, it was kind of like a closet, um, the other roommates' parents were just, you know, la-di-da, just making, decorating, making use of that ginormous space on the other side of the room. And I started getting bitter. I started getting resentful because I was like, can't they just say like, hey, do you girls want to put your dressers over here? Do you want to store some stuff on this side of the room so you have more room to just kind of breathe, you know? But no. And so um, a little bit later, Abby and I walk out of the room, and I was like, Ugh. and she was like, Mom, what is wrong? And I was like, Abby, I just don't think it's fair. I just don't think it's fair. I mean, you guys are all paying for this room, but you're getting this little closet, and they've got all this space, and they won't give you any space. And I said, I can't help it. I'm a mom. I want you to have the best. And she said to me, she was like, but mom, I always have the best. I, I'm always provided for, and I'm always safe. And I don't know that these girls have that. And it's okay. We'll make the best of it. I got Jesus juked. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, you are right. I'm a horrible person. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. I mean, you know, like, I'm like, I raised you to be like that. But then I was like, wait a second because I'm not acting very good right now. But um, I was so proud of her at that moment, but I was also very convicted, very convicted that, that my daughter had to teach me a lesson right there. But she was right because it turns out as the year went on, everybody wanted to hang out on their side of the room. I don't know why. They'd all pile up into their bunk beds and watch movies. There was something cozy about it. God took care of her. You know, and then she ended up going on and being an RA. She has an apartment, all that stuff. And the other instance that I found myself being like that was when Lincoln was born. And there were, there were several kids born around that time um, at our church, and he was very sick, very sick. They, they brought him to us, basically. And I know Aaron told this the other, the other week, um, and they were just sort of like, um, just love on him. You know, they didn't think he was going to make it. And I sat there, and I was like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Aaron and I are ministers. 
of the gospel. Like we give our whole life to you, God. We have given you every part of our lives. And the trade-off, I mean, I didn't say these words specifically, but I was thinking the trade-off for that is that your child doesn't have medical problems. You know, let's just be honest. We feel like that sometimes. God, I'm serving you. God, I'm doing this. God, I am giving you everything. Why am I having trouble? Why, God, is my younger brother getting what I've worked so hard for? Why is this woman getting to stand on stage and preach to you when I've been serving and I want my chance? Why did my coworker get that promotion when I deserve it? And we become bitter and we become resentment. And that is so dangerous, you guys. So dangerous. The physical proximity to God is not always the same as spiritual proximity to God. And through this, Jesus is showing those religious leaders that just as the older brother ignores the father but values what he can get from him, the religious leaders do the same and we do the same, don't we? I, wanna, I read this book in, in preparation for this um, by Henry Nouwen. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And um, there is this one quote um, a couple of paragraphs that we're going to put on the screen here. You watching from home, you won't see it, but I think we're going to try to put it in the, um, in the comments. But if you can put that up, Jerry, it says, often we think about the lostness in terms of actions that are quite visible, even spectacular. The young son sinned in a way we can easily identify, Right? His lostness is quite obvious. He rebelled against morality and allowed himself to be swept away by his own lust and greed. There is something very clear cut about his misbehavior. The lostness of the elder son, however, is much harder to identify. After all, he did all the right things. He was obedient, dutiful, law-abiding, and hardworking. People respected him admired him, praised him, and likely considered him a model son. Outwardly, the elder son was faultless. But when confronted by his father's joy at the return of his younger brother, a dark power erupts in him and boils to the surface. It makes me think of um, Anakin Skywalker, yeah. Um, Darth Vader. Suddenly, there becomes glaringly visible a resentful proud, unkind, selfish person, one that had remained deeply hidden, even though it had been growing stronger and more powerful over the years. Returning home from a lustful escapade seems so much easier than returning home from a cold anger that has rooted itself in the deepest corners of my being. Can we just, let's just look at that last that last paragraph again. Returning home from a lustful escapade seems so much easier than returning home from a cold anger that has rooted itself in the deepest corners of my being. Maybe we can just think about that today. Are we, are we, do we have blind spots, you know? Like, are we 
setting ourselves up to have roots of bitterness, roots of um, resentment, pride grow stronger um, in our lives? I do. I need to constantly recenter myself on, on God's presence, on the Holy Spirit, on the word. So the next character we have here is the prodigal's father. How wonderful he is. In Luke 15, 20, it says, So he returned home to his father, the son did, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Verses 22 through 24 says, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I love that part in the NLT. So the party began. God's a partier. Um, Luke 15, 32. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Amen. We need to celebrate when people come back. It doesn't matter if they took what we think was ours or whatever. It doesn't matter if they got to go out and have all the fun and we've sat here and been like really structured, really routine, really, um, oh, the word just left my mind, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I want to say? Um, it doesn't matter if they come back, God forgives them. If they repent, they're, they're forgiven. Their sins are gone. They're lost, and now they're found. And that is worth celebrating. So, do I have that picture there of, of the, um, the father? I love this. I love this picture. Now, listen, I looked all over the Internet, and I'm like the FBI. I can find anything. I could not find who, who painted this picture. So if any of you are better than me at that and you want to look it up, I will be glad to give them um, props for that. But I love this picture because it shows like the wonder of, of seeing his son far off in the distance. It wasn't just like, oh, here he comes. He's back. It was like, what? Is that him? I think that's him. Let's go. And he ran to him. You know, it's like that, like, oh, man, when my kids were little, it was so good to, like, you know, hand them off to the grandparents so we could so we could go away. But, my gosh, when we went to pick them up and maybe they brought them home and I was, like, looking at the, out the front door and I wouldn't even wait until they could get unbuckled. I was running out that door and grabbing my kids. And that's the way the Father is with us. My gosh, you guys, we have a God like that. That is who our God is. He is so ready for us to come home. Just come home. Next, we have the result of repentance. And I love this. Luke 15, 24 says, We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he was found. When you repent... You come back to life. When you repent, you are found again. 
in Christ. Psalm 32, verses 5 and 7 says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. We're hidden in him. When we repent, when we confess, guys, it seems like such a scary thing. And I think the enemy wants us to believe that it's scary. You're going to get outed. You're going to get made fun of. People are going to look at you different. And sometimes they do. Sometimes that's us. We're the ones that do that. But God says, I'm hiding you. I'm protecting you. I'm covering you. I'm surrounding you with songs of victory. The result of repentance is victory. That's good. We don't have to be afraid. Joshua 5, 9. I love this. This was the first verse that I read in the lectionary for this, for this week's um, passages. And I love it in the NLT. It says, today I have rolled away the shame. I have rolled away the shame. What God has rolled away, nobody can roll back on you. Shame is such a, a dangerous and harmful thing. I, I read something recently where it says shame corrupts the soul. And when you try to shame someone, you're basically, you want them to believe that there's no hope. You want them to believe that they can't change. Because that's not a good, that's not a good tactic. Can I just tell you that right now? Shaming someone is not a good tactic if you want them to, to change. Stop it. Stop it. You can say, your behavior needs repent and let's just move on, okay? But to shame someone, you're saying you are bad and you can't change. You are a liar. You are a whatever thief you are a instead of what you did was wrong but God can transform you when you repent God can transform you hold on second Corinthians 5 17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation praise the Lord amen the old has passed away hallelujah and see the new has come. Praise God. So what do we do with all that? You know, we have two lost sons. We have a father. What do we do with this story? What do we do here? Well, we are now ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We've been forgiven. So now we have a job. We've been charged with something. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the, wor- the world to himself, not counting their trans- trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. He doesn't count our tr- their trespasses against them. And if he doesn't, we can't. But 
He has committed something to us. He's saying, now you are the messengers of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.20. This is my last scripture. Aubrey. Um, says, <laughs> so we who are Christ's ambassadors, that's us. We who are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. If you imagine that scene of the prodigal son and you see the father, here he is, let's go. You want to be the person beside him, grabbing his arm. Like, yeah, I'm running with you. Let's go get him. Come on home. Come home. You don't want to be the person in the corner going, hmm, I didn't get no fattened calf. I didn't get anything. And I've been here the whole time. Repent if you need to repent. Turn from your sin. Receive God's love. Receive his forgiveness. Let the party begin. (laughs) And then call other people home. Amen. Let me pray over you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the robustness of your word, God. It is layered. It is alive. Every time we read it, Lord, it ministers to our souls and to our lives. God, you told these stories for a reason, God. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let us have hands and feet that do what you want us to do. If we're going to do anything, Lord, let us be messengers of reconciliation. If we're going to do anything, Lord, let us be your ambassadors, God. Help us to call your people home, Lord. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.